under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the program. Alongside me, as he usually is on Mondays, we have Troy. Hey, Troy, how are you? Hey, buddy. Now, I was just telling you off air and got a good workout in today. I'm loving this new place. It's called Express Fitness 24 7. I joined because, well, of the name. It's right there, 24 7. You can go whenever you like. When you become a member, and by the way, you don't have to do a year-long contract. You can sign up month to month, pay month to month. But once you become a member, you get a either a keypad code or, in my case, a key fob. Go whenever you like, 24-7. And I've been going mostly on Monday mornings and Friday mornings to get a really good like hour, hour and a half long workout in. And today was upper body, and I'm going to feel it tomorrow. But that's what I signed up for. And I'm going to the Zelda Road location. It's the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center, folks. And stop by there and tell Alex Joey sent you if you're interested in finding a good place to work out. It's cheap but still state-of-the-art equipment. Anything you'd ever want to do in terms of weightlifting or cardio or whatnot, you can get done at Express Fitness 24-7. You can find out more at Express Fitness 24, the number 24.com. Express Fitness 24. Dot com really help you out. I love that they give a few free initial personal training sessions if you're kind of worried about where do you I begin. They'll ask you what your goals are, what you're going for, and they'll set you on the right path. So again, check them out. Express Fitness 24-7. You don't have to go to Zelda Road. Locations all over the River Region from Millbrook to Prattville to Pine Leveled and Clanton. All over the place. So again, Express Fitness 24-7 ExpressFitness24.com Now, yesterday... We went and saw the newest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel. So, before I start waxing poetic, what did you think? It was good. I It was good. Good film. I liked it. There were some parts where the whole theater laughed. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Um, I would say on the fun scale... Of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, with the latest Thor being at the top. Thor Ragnarok, yes. Tied with Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Uh, it's probably, it's below Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on how fun it was. Um, in terms of how good it was, it was it was good. It, it was wasn't okay. like, it wasn't like. Winter Soldier, like, blew my mind. Right. Or Thor Ragnarok, that was just, like, crazy visuals. Nowhere near Infinity War, though no other movie can really get close to Infinity War. Right. Wasn't the first Iron Man. But as far as origin stories go, it was a solid origin story. I think so. I would say Captain Marvel is probably not very well known. No. uh, Even in comic circles. Um Especially, well, so there's there's more than one Captain Marvel. There's a there's another Captain Marvel in 
a different version of the Marvel Universe, and she's Indian, and she, uh, did you ever play Street Fighter? Yeah. You remember that character that kind of looked like the Dalai Lama? That yeah, and like, it can stretch out? Yeah, do yeah. the long arm thing? She could stretch. Okay. Uh, her name is Kamala, some, I, I, Kamala almost said, Harris. I almost said Harris, but I think it's <laughs> Kamala Khan. Okay, cool. Anyway, um. So you would give it, like, a letter grade. How, what would you give it? B. I would give it a B minus. Okay. I'd, I'd give it that minus because it, it's terms of, like, I had time to let it marinate, like, after seeing it yesterday. Like, when I walked out, I felt the same way. It was fun. I laughed. I didn't feel like I wasted my money on a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the same feeling watching Captain Marvel that when I left and after Doctor Strange. Like, okay. It's good. Yeah. Not great. Not terrible. Just kind of in the middle. There was one part, and I'm not spoiling much here, folks, where there's a fight scene, and no doubts, I'm just a girl came on. I'm like, that's a little on the nose. Well, see, for me, it's a little on the nose. They were playing, no- oh yeah, I totally agree, but they, they were playing, there's, the movie takes place, the majority of it takes place in the 90s. Right. And that is the time period that you and I grew up. Oh, a lot of funny 90s jokes in terms of computer loading. Computer loading, pay phones, a blockbuster. Right. <laughs> um, it, but we grew up in the 90s, and No Doubt and Garbage were two groups that my mom loves. Right. So then playing No Doubt and Garbage, it was like I was, you know, in the passenger seat of a Honda Civic listening on cassette. Right. It was like that for me. Well, and this is no doubt a uh, girl power, female empowerment movie. You meant to do that, right? No, not at all, but I'm that good. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of empowerment going on. And, and that's fine. I mean, there's one thing in the movie, and it's not a knock of the movie. It's just something generally in society. Like, when I hear women complain about, you know, being treated unequally... Uh, there are plenty of examples people could give. Like, people still living. Like, I couldn't get a credit card without my husband's co-signing on it. And that's changed. Like, okay, good examples all around, to go around. There's one scene in the movie where this guy's like, give a smile to me, darling, or something like that. And I'm like, that is annoying, but I know that because people constantly do it to me. In particular, women of a certain age. Oh, you're so handsome. Why don't you smile more often, Joey? Don't tell me to smile. All right? I get it. It's not just a... Yeah. And of all the things that we could talk about... There are other instances in that movie, though, that sort of accurately portray... I'm assuming accurately portray what it's like to be a woman in a certain field. Like in the so-called man's world like well the military well she she's an air force pilot right and and that one guy that's like you know they call it a cockpit right <laughs> if if i had someone say that to me more than once <laughs> i would i would be infuriated <laughs> yeah yeah just a bit um well in in real world we covered a little bit of this last week it was when i was really down though the news just got to me it was all sorts of news stories like i came in feeling good now i feel so down one was uh the new senator from arizona uh kristen cinema with martha mcsally she was the first female fighter pilot one of them and she said in a congressional committee hearing that she was raped by a superior officer 
Jesus. And the reason she brought it up is not to name names, not to exact justice or vengeance or anything, but just to say this was and is a reality, was a reality more so when she was coming into the military. Uh, but it's still a, an issue. And she talked about it very openly. It was powerful in the committee hearing and the subsequent interview she gave. So, I mean, that stuff, to see that in that movie last night, there, based there, was, on, there was no rape. Yeah. Just, there was no rape. No, honestly, movie. for all there was the. No implied rape. For all the culture war conversation before this movie, which had more to do with the marketing and some of the interviews Brie Larson gave, it, this was more just, it wasn't preachy, I would put it that way. There was some stuff a little on the nose, but for the most part, it's like, no, it's a, it's yeah, a good movie. It was, there were, yeah. There's no, there's no rape. There's no implied rape. No. There is some shape shifting. But nothing sexual, right? Um, if anything, just curiosity. Like, no, it's a good movie to take a, a little girl to, especially if you're a mom taking a little girl to it. Oh, I think for it's sure, a fantastic movie for yeah. that. And it, I mean, Captain Marvel, sh- she stomps. Oh yeah, she's. I I don't. She's a bamf. Maybe Thor and Hulk, like really pissed off Hulk, are more powerful than maybe, her. Maybe I doubt but it though. Thor and Captain Marvel tops. Or in power in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, and folks, we just were also discussing off-air. This, we've covered this before, but this is, why did we spend a perfectly good Sunday going to see it? I think you're addicted to superhero movies. No, we're not addicted. It's more like we were invested is a better word for it. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see the first Iron Man in 2008 with my dad. God, and the ACDC playing? Oh, it's so It good. was so... So good. Uh, it, yeah. Shoot the thrill. It yeah. was encapsulated. And it's been a home run for the most part throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've done it right. And also, we forgot at the beginning of the movie when the Marvel logo came up, instead of all the superheroes being shown, they showed different iterations of Stan Lee in the cinematic universe. And they. Essentially said thank you, Stan. After that, before the movie got going, so this is the first movie since Stanley passed, and it, it was, was a nice touch. in the movie though. Yeah, which is a great, great touch. See that final cameo, but that's why we we enjoy these movies because yeah, they are a popcorn flick at a certain level. There's action; it's fun to watch. Good laugh here or there. The best part of the movie is a cat, in yeah. my opinion, named Goose. <laughs> It's so good. But I enjoy these movies, too, because they're kind of a testament to what, as society becomes wealthier and technology gets better, like in movie making in particular, the movies have just gotten better and better, and they can plan these things over a decade plus. They can execute these special effects in a way that's believable for the most part. Unless you're Warner Brothers. Well, yeah, and it shows it, it's a testament to how good Marvel is, and man, Disney's making money hand over fist. What was this opening? One fifty three, one fifty four, about there. Not as big as Black Panther, but it's number six domestic opening ever. Right, it's that's, big. Uh, that's solid. It's really big and biggest of the year thus far. But that number will probably be eclipsed because in April. You have Avengers Infinity War, which is the final culmination. Endgame, uh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. Infinity Wars last year. Yes, Avengers Endgame. My bad. Uh, They are culminating this over a decade long process now. Mm -hmm. And with these characters, Captain America, Iron Man, so many others that 
they've built up these characters, and I want to see the culmination of it. It's like, it, I just love storytelling on a grand scale. Really cool stuff. Yeah, and we were talking about this during the trailer when uh, Ant-Man shows up. Mm-hmm. That was probably the, one of the coolest ways they handled the process of what Thanos did in Infinity War. Right. You've got all these people that are blank. I don't. Is it too? Is it too early to spoil stuff? They've ceased to exist. You have a, a lot of people that have ceased to exist, and this is in the post-credits of the Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Ant-Man wasn't in Infinity War. Right. And you find out why in the post-credits scene. They're going to the uh, what's that? The the negative zone, the neutral zone, the quantum verse. The quantum. That's it. Um, Ant-Man can get so small, folks, he goes to the quantum level. He shrinks yeah. down that far. He, he shrinks down past the size of molecules. and He's going there to help Janet Van Dyne get something. Or to get Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. To get yeah. the original Wasp. And in the middle of him doing that, he's shrinking down. Thanos snaps his fingers. Mm-hmm. Half of the life in the entire universe is wiped out at that moment. And the people that were helping him to help him go down to the quantum realm and get out of the quantum realm have disappeared. Right. They have ceased to exist. So he's stuck. So he's stuck. And that's all in a post-credit scene mm-hmm. that wraps up nicely in a bow. And the movie was released after Infinity War. Right. It wraps up in a bow nicely why he wasn't in Infinity War. And in the Endgame trailer, he's like... At the Avengers headquarters, <laughs> he's like knocking on the door. Hey, can you buzz me in? Right. Well, and it's a testament again to this grand storytelling that all these movies do revolve around each other. They're of the same world, and the idea that these things are just for kids. No, superhero movies are now like comic book nerds. I was never a comic book nerd, but people that grew up that way are seeing the things they imagine in their head reading the books now up on the big screen. And so your target audience is now getting older, into their 30s, into their 40s even, if not older. And I just think it's a, it's a good trend. Now, there have been other people like Warner Brothers and a few other studios that have tried to capitalize on, oh, people like superheroes, so let's have some, like, a big fight in the third act, and uh, like a sky beam, and something, you know, catastrophic's about to happen, and the superhero saves the day. That's not what people like. What Marvel has figured out is, yes, that people like action, but they like really good characters, mm-hmm. and good personal stories and development. That's when Marvel does it right. That's one thing I would knock Captain Marvel on. They could have done the development of her, the idea, the structure of the story was cool, but they could have d- fleshed her out more, who she was. Well, there's there's only so many ways you can tell an origin story without right. getting repetitive. And they've done it so many times. And this is the first origin story where, considering she has no memories, and the memories that she does have are basically almost six years old. Right. As she's discovering the person she was, so too is the audience. That's a cool and, structure. And that is, that's something Marvel hasn't done yet. I haven't seen that with a lot of origin mm-hmm. stories. And I, I thought the structure was cool. They could have fleshed it out a little more. Yeah. But that said, go see it if you want to go see it. I think it's worthwhile, especially with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, good movie. There were a lot of little kids there, and then, you know, 30-year-old kids like ourselves. Yeah, it, it doesn't really, like, if you've 
watched the Avengers movie and you've watched Infinity War, it's not going to add anything to it. Nothing huge, but... Yeah, other than the post credit scene... Right. ...where she shows up to the Avengers. It's not the Which tower, everybody assumed right. you know, was going to happen. She's going to be in this final movie. But also in April, another culmination of another fantasy world... And folks, be with me here for a second, because I'm just nerding out. Because, yes, I'm paying attention to also what's going on in politics. A new poll that's a trend that is nerve-wracking to me, and we'll, we'll get into it here in a, in a second, probably in the second half of this show tonight, is 50% of millennials would rather live in a socialist country. And I hear that, I see that headline, and I, I kind of just blink for a second. I also think of Benjamin the donkey from Orwell's Animal Farm. You fools! You fools! He finally pipes up after being so cynical most of the novel. It just is like, well, what do you mean by socialism? I'd imagine many... We'll get into it in the second half of the show. But the other big entertainment thing... Well, WrestleMania is happening in April. And I'm excited for this year's WrestleMania. For many reasons. But the women's division's going strong. Becky Lynch is like the new Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, the crowd is behind her, and she does whatever Becky Lynch wants to do. And Ronda Rousey's turned heel, like bad guy. And they're using, on television and on their main products, folks who don't follow wrestling, it's still PG. They want families to come to the wrestling show. They want families to watch the television show. But on social media... Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, her real name, Rebecca Quinn, have been going at it like you would see normal people going at it on social media. Dropping curse words left and right, throwing mean memes at one another. Like Not the memes. The mean memes, man. Uh. Like, it's, it's pretty no-holds-barred uh, when it comes to social media. And it, so it plays into the, the PG actual on television story pretty well. And it's all the work. Like... I don't think they're actually angry at one another, but they're doing it really, really well. Most of the time when they've tried these social media storylines, it hasn't been like, oh, yeah, oh, you're being mean to that other guy. Okay. No, but, like, they've gotten personal. It's good. Good stuff. So WrestleMania is going to be a big event in April. Um, but Game of Thrones, the final season begins in April. Final six episodes. I'd imagine these episodes are going to be lengthy. It's essentially going to be like a 10-hour, if not 12-hour movie. Like, it is spectacular, the production quality. And if you're not already invested in Game of Thrones, you got time. Watch some. Like, it's good. Now, the, talk about character development and story arcs. They've done a fantastic job with that. And it's also something you don't often see. And it's a knock against Marvel and superhero movies. It's a knock against most sitcoms. And, like, you're not going to let the hero die. It's true. You're not going to let your bread and butter, like, go by the wayside. you got to keep making shows. you got to keep making movies. In Game of Thrones, that rule does not apply. Like, you, you watch one season, that's the hero. He, she, whatever, they're dead. In the least expected way, in brutal ways, dead. So the, I like the show as stakes. And it's not just your usual HBO gratuitous violence and sex, though that does exist too. There's great character development, great story development. So to have two of, like, the biggest things in entertainment... This is kind of my perspective, too, that I've both been invested in. Game of Thrones, 
and the Avengers Marvel Cinematic Universe both culminating in this month. It's like, wow, this is going to be a fun month coming up in April. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. Not to mention it's the Easter season. Lent will finally be over. It'll be a, it'll be a great month. Do you celebrate Lent? Or do you not in the traditional that? not in the traditional sense, no. But I have taken the opportunity this year to uh, make it a, a trial of sorts. That's what that, that number forty usually signifies in the Bible is some sort of trial and some sort of thing to be endured to learn something later. Um, so I've taken it upon myself to sort of test myself and continue to do the things I just need to do anyway, whether it's Lent or not, like eat well and exercise my mind and body but in particular with my mind read things that are uh, about that topic about the biggest questions we have where does evil come from um, what is the nature of God these sort of things I don't want to get into that tonight but that's kind of what I'm doing and I'm finding different classic novels and writings from nonfiction that address these topics essentially I'm meditating on a lot of big topics during the month of Lent. And, folks, it's not always enjoyable. Some of the stuff I've picked for myself is not exactly a, a cakewalk. And sometimes it's infuriating or challenging or whatever. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I, I don't I don't refrain from eating meat, if, if that's what you're asking. Especially not on Fridays. Right. And no holy days of obligation. No. no I'm not that type anymore. But yeah. I do have respect for the faith I was raised in. Do you know what I endure every year? Hmm. <laughs> Anytime Nancy Pelosi speaks. Oh, Lord, did you see what she said today, though? Nope. She said... I've endured enough, Joey. She said, giving an interview to the Washington Post, that uh, we don't need to impeach Trump. He doesn't deserve it, and it would divide the nation too much. On that, she's probably right. It would, it would make things... It's polarized and divided now. It would be... Oh, oh, oh. I'm sounding like a wrestler now. Like it would be ridiculous if they impeached the president in terms of the histrionics, the outrage, what people would do. I don't think it would actually start a civil war. No. But uh yeah, it would be bad. And I think what Nancy Pelosi's counting on is we'll beat him in twenty twenty. Fair. Yeah, and they're not that far off. Trump came out with his new budget today, setting up another fight over the wall. Or a very powerful fencer barrier. He wants eight billion something in this next budget for the powerful fence. Um, we'll see. We'll see. The Democrats are probably going to open with no. You get nothing. Thank you, sir. Good day. But we'll see where that fight leads us. But again, and I want to talk about it on the other side of the break. And I've looked up an article I remember it was written years ago by one of my favorite thinkers, scholars out there, Deirdre McCloskey. Her books are remarkable. They're also a challenge to get through. They're just because of the length. We're talking about over three volumes, 3,000 pages. Tom Clancy size. Yeah, but it's not a you know narrative it's that you follow. <laughs> no, it's not that interesting. It's interesting in a different way. Um, essentially asking the question, how throughout all of humanity, there have been big empires, China and Rome and Egypt, and there's been plenty of like manpower and resources and enough political organization to get people to do things. For instance, in those situations, you got a hundred percent enrichment of people's lives, wealth increased for the average person, a hundred percent, even at certain points in China and maybe even Roman history, 300 percent betterment. 
The Great Enrichment is what she calls it. From the year 1800 to now, in most of the the West, you're talking about a 2,500 to 5,000% increase in, turn, in wealth for the average person. So the Great Enrichment is the agricultural, the scientific, and the information revolutions? Something like, from the year 1800 till now, so the last 200 or so years. So... Yeah, that agriculture to science to information. Right, and she gets into why. And when I hear people want to live under socialism, that was one of the competing theories in the last 200 years, in my opinion, that hasn't ended up uh, benefiting humanity in the way socialists thought it would. I have to remind myself of why we're so rich, and not just rich in terms of wealth and material well-being, but richer spiritually, too. Though some people might disagree with that. I think Deirdre McCloskey makes a great case. But there's nothing wrong with being material rich, materially rich. Nothing wrong with having wealth, in particular. be great to own your own home. be great to, that home that you own, to sell it, have some walking around cash. Great segue. Thank you, sir. That was top class. Yeah, and top notch. I, I try. I try, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> and the person that can help you buy that first home or sell that home uh, because maybe your family's growing or you're moving to a different place, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is your guy. He has changed his own life, enriched his own life and the lives of others by investing in real estate, buying and selling homes all over the river region. So he knows exactly what he's doing. He can help you if you are a hesitant first-time home buyer. Maybe you think you're stuck renting. He can open your eyes to the opportunities all around the River Region at a great price. And he can also hook you up with other great clients of ours, other great sponsors like Morris Capuana at Renaissance Bank if you want to get financing. He can help you in terms of selling a place. Here's the renovation you need to do before anybody asks and the repair you need to do so you can get top dollar on the market. And here's how you do a successful open house in order for that house to get off the market very quickly. Eddie Bader, again, has been around the block several times. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's very proactive connecting buyers and sellers. He's not the type of guy that's just going to hammer a sign in your yard, have you sign a contract, and wait by the phone. No, he's only going to wait by the phone for your call at 322-0662 to get you as a client and to get working very proactively to buy or sell that home of your dreams. So if you need help in real estate, if you're looking for a realtor, give Eddie Bader with the Goods and Group a call. That number is 322-0662. Again, give him a call, 322-0662. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about how uh, capitalism is probably the best thing going, though maybe we shouldn't call it capitalism. We'll get into that, too. (laughs) Right after this. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome back. 
Now, as promised, the headline that caught my attention today, though I've been following this trend for years now, um, and this isn't even coming from a hardcore libertarian position. Like, this can be fuzzy. Like, even Hayek, famous economist, was all for, say, a basic guarantee, like social welfare, to take care of the poor if they really needed a safety net of some sort. Milton Friedman's the one who came up with the negative income tax. I, I mean, that is essentially a redistribution to the people on the bottom rung at a given time. But both those guys would say you cannot beat what free markets have provided at the end of the day. So when I hear that 50% of millennials, young people, people that in the future will be running things, want to live in a socialist country, I ask myself the question, number one, have you not read history, most of history? And then I ask the second question, it's a little more charitable, unless... What the hell, these stupid kids? More, well, what do you mean by socialism? Do you mean ownership of the means of production? (laughs) Like, Because I don't think you mean that, though some of that sneaks in. And, for instance, one thing that really got me going today was Elizabeth Warren talking about she wants to break up the big tech companies. And it's the one thing, it doesn't have to be the tech companies. Uh, There are problems there. But it is generally the idea of monopoly in the private sector, monopoly in a private institution. Well, the way we solve the monopoly problem, Troy, is we have a much larger, more powerful, generalized monopoly break it up. So I'm like, well, you're not, I guess, in terms of like a category type, you're not against monopolies. You're against private monopolies that make money. They make profit. You're not against a government monopoly. It does all sorts of things. Don't trust the companies to handle things responsibly. Trust me to handle things responsibly. Right. <laughs> right. And, okay, oh, and by Elizabeth the way, Warren. I can I can uh, take your money, too. I, I, you don't have to, like, give it to me. Like, we... In, number one, we don't give money to Facebook. Like, they make money in other ways that now people are getting upset over, understand, with, like, data and whatnot. Same with... Google in many respects. They do some. They do some evil stuff, man. Yeah. No, and I'm not denying that. If the, you the are, moment Google changed their slogan from "Don't do evil," don't be evil. Yeah, don't be evil. To right. Whatever it is now, they started doing some things. <laughs> they telegraphed it. that are not right. Yes, and I would agree with that. And there are ways to solve that that I think are much more precise and surgical than we're going to break them up. Or we're going to have the government run different uh, major I mean, banks, board of directors. And anybody and that's just, a shareholder at Google needs to have a come to Jesus meeting with himself yes. and figure out, and Google should probably be more transparent, at least to their shareholders, what they're doing. Right. And there are also ways to maybe reform contract law. Like, you know, those terms of service that you have to sign that you never read before you access a digital service. It's like 70 pages. Right. Nobody reads that crap. Right. But, oh, I sold my soul. Wow. I did, <laughs> did not realize that was there. Okay. Well, wait. I have to give my firstborn to Baal? To the, the ancient <laughs> god of Sumeria? Like, oh, no. What are you up to, Apple? I, I was just... I know we're, we're going to get into that poll that you're talking about, but I did just want to say, I realized I was harping on Google there. Right. And I do think they do a lot of evil things, but... One in particular that's a lot more nuanced than it looks like on the surface is Google refused to pull that 
app in Saudi Arabia mm. for men to track their women. Ooh, yeah. But here's where it gets interesting. So the app allows you to get permission to leave the country or do whatever uh, you can do, like a husband gives permission to his wife to leave the country. Okay. Before that app, you would have to go to like a courthouse and the husband would have to give that permission. So now, if the woman wants to leave, and let's say there's a lot of marital rape happening, or just some downright pernicious things yeah. that, that tend to happen in some relationships, now she's got to do a steal his phone and give herself permission and then leave the country. Right. And So for them to not pull that app on the surface, it's like, you should totally pull it. Men are controlling women. And it's like, well, before the app, it was even, even more, more yeah. control. Yes, and I think that's a good perspective. you got to have a, a nuanced, balanced perspective that pretty much everything in life has good and bad to it. It's true. So it, does the good outweigh the bad, or do we have to tolerate the bad because we don't have anything better? i tell you what I don't want to tolerate is those 50% of millennials saying that a socialist country would be better. You're learning. That's a great segue. I learned from the okayist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, yes, I'm, I, again, I ask, what do you mean by socialism? Right, because the, the, I guess the mark of socialism that we always hear in quote-unquote non-socialist countries is, well, that country wasn't actually socialism. Right. How and many times am I going to hear that before I'm like, okay, what country is socialist? They're right. pursuing this idea of socialism, but they have seen in practice that true quote-unquote is never true socialism is never realized so right. what do these millennials mean right and to me what i you know the focus on say wealth or income inequality too is it's just the it's a foreign way of thinking like i am concerned about poverty like the people at the bottom how do we make those people richer how do we get them better lives absolutely mm -hmm. i don't think you have to you can solve that problem without having to demonize the wealthy I'm more worried about inequalities that have to do with power, in particular government power and state power. And that is usually historically shown, and I think it's in the theory, when you start going into the socialism, going down the socialist road, not full-blown communism like we saw in the Soviet Union that we're currently seeing in North Korea, or Saddam Hussein was a Stalinist regime as well, you get immense disparities between the amount of power in a few people if not one person's hands and they can inflict that power on people cause other people to suffer with impunity it's a terrible system it's what george orwell wrote so eloquently about an animal farm in 1984 right what i think is actually interesting about that poll just on the surface yeah is that you never hear about what well okay so it's almost like Let's say the French soccer team. They have uh, French Africans on their team, but they are French citizens. When they do well, France embraces them. When they don't do well, they are Africans, right? So, in <laughs> right. or Ozil with Turkey and Germany, regardless, same thing. Does well, he's embraced. Not he doesn't do well, he's that Turkish guy. Yeah, he's part of the other group, right? So, what we see in this country, I mean, besides having the freedom to criticize openly is we don't see all the good things that capitalism does or a market economy does. We don't see those things because 
we're desensitized to them. Take them for granted. Yeah. Right. But we do see all the bad things it does, like BP being cheap and having yeah. a massive oil spill. That's a major problem. Yeah. Then they had to shill out a lot of money that shouldn't have happened. And well, and here's the thing. A lot of the people running BP didn't want that to happen. I don't think any of them wanted it to happen, but they just didn't have the foresight to think things through and to get through their own bureaucracy to make sure it didn't happen. Right. They were cheap. Well, you see... Um, you but see that a lot of BP. You see a lot of the negative things that occur. Yeah. Well, and BP's not an, even an American company. British Petroleum. Regardless. Um, you see all these negative things. The people that get big microphones are the ones that are saying, hey, look at all these bad things that happen. And then currently, anyway, it seems like the people that would support a market economy that get the microphones say a really just a whole bunch of hypocritical things. Oh, yeah. And no one calls them out on it. Right. Well, I see that in particular with the Republican Party. They've talked about, oh, we love free markets and trade and yeah, you don't one, always one, live up to it, guys. You know, you really maybe don't. maybe it's not it's not proper for me to criticize the president. Mm-hmm. But one thing he talked about was curing HIV uh, with stem cells from from a European treatment. Right. A European co- company had like cured HIV using stem cells. There's a new, the headline last week is there's a new patient. They had occurred a German guy one time, but they thought we're not going to be able to recreate it because essentially what we did is we destroyed his immune system so much with immunosuppressants that he almost died from it. And because we rebooted him at such a basic level, which most people wouldn't have survived, that's what cured him. But they now have a second patient using similar methods, but they didn't take him as far. He didn't almost die. And it seems to be holding. And then there are other patients they've done this therapy with that they're not far enough along in terms of months without any HIV to have shown as a success case yet. But there's something going on there. Right. Well, the president, in all of his wisdom, congratulated the study. Right. But two weeks before, he shut down a bill for using stem cells. Right. What? I'm sorry. We could have had that intellectual property right we could have used that research it could have been ours maybe it's selfish of me to say ours is in the united states but why aren't we using right I these things now, especially now that you don't need stem cells from embryos it doesn't have to be a product of abortion no but let's just say if it was legal you could harvest those stem cells like the, all the frozen embryos that are out there right now no just even just like an aborted child right well, Depending on how far along it is, obviously. I mean, there's a whole terrible. lot more nuance to that, but... Yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole other can of worms. And honestly, I'm, I've started to just react to that issue emotionally when I hear about that stuff. I mean, I'm not prescribing public policy, but when I hear about, like, late-term abortions, these sort of things, I uh, there's a part of me that gets disgusted, yeah. angry... Um, it shouldn't have to be like that. It shouldn't come to that. It's almost in my mind. Reading into that bill, though, yeah, that Virginia bill, hmm. and the way it was politicized, those people should be ashamed of themselves. Not the people that wrote the bill, the Republican politicians that politicized it in such a way that made it seem like these people were actually having giving birth and then saying, kill the baby. But no, did you hear what the what actual were, Democratic lawmakers, the person who wrote the bill, said? I agree with the Republican Party in the fact that that bill did not need to be legislated in such a way because the law that was in place already allowed for the things in that bill to happen. Right, and this bill seemed to have opened up no restrictions. 
I would and rather. That's what the author of the bill admitted when being questioned. I would rather. And something... when the governor of Virginia said the, like the thing about if a baby is born and we make it comfortable and no, what the hell he was trying to say there. He's he's basically saying, if the baby is born and it's not a viable birth, right? Instead of just. It will be afforded the same rights as someone who is already at end of care. Right. It's a heated issue. It gets me... uh, Lately, it's made me uh, feel disgusted for all sorts of reasons. But... The whole uh, thing's pretty gross. The idea is that innovation can come out of all sorts of things. And here's what I want to get to tonight. Is the idea of the middle class. We always talk about politicians saying, I'm going to serve the middle class better. And, oh, I am. And we have Democrats and Republicans, populists on both sides, saying, here's how we best serve and champion champion the middle class. But it's the middle class. And if you think about it, over the last 200 years, Deirdre McCloskey has a list here. Not an exhaustive list, but just a little bit. Traders, inventors, managers, the entrepreneur and the merchant, the inventor of carbon fiber materials and the contractor remodeling your bathroom, the improver of automobiles in Toyota City and the supplier of spices in New Delhi is on the whole, the middle class, contrary to the conviction of the clerisy, she puts it in quotes, of artists and intellectuals and central planners and aristocrats, if you will. Further, the modern world was made not by material causes, such as coal or thrift or capital or exports or exploitation or imperialism or good property rights or even good science, all of which have been widespread in other cultures in other times. It was made by ideas from and about the bourgeoisie, or the middle class, by an explosion after 1800 in technical ideas and a few institutional concepts backed by a massive ideological shift towards market-tested betterment on a large scale at first peculiar to northwestern Europe. And she doesn't even want to call it capitalism. But essentially, it's old-school we could call it innovationism, trade-tested betterment, or trade-tested progress. But I like the idea that it's essentially cl- classical liberalism. It's more about how do we talk about the middle class. And when I think about how we talk about the middle class, at least a lot of politicians do, we talk about them as helpless and stupid, and they can't get by without our help. It's true. And I think it's, um, it's condescending, number one, because I'm technically working middle class. And I see all these folks, like, in just the amount of money I make. And I see all these folks talk about how they want to champion my cause. I'm like, how dare you speak to me in that tone of voice? Get the hell away from me. So, if you had done what uh, Paul Manafort had done. Right. Would you have got the max? Oh, probably. Yeah. So, uh, when when people say Well, it that, depends on the judge. Yeah, well, that... Yeah. I think Judge Tillis... <laughs> Judge Tillis is an interesting character in the sense that he only gave Manafort, what, three years? when Seven months. Yeah. So I think Tillis was not happy with Manafort, but he was also kind of pissed off at the Mueller team and that you're using my courtroom as a squeeze tactic. I don't think he liked it. And he thought they were yeah. heavy-handed. Per, um, yeah, you're right. I, so Tillis is unique in that sense. But no, I think Tillis, in general... Your point stands. Tillis behaved himself in a peculiar way. He really did. But Tillis um, is one thing, but your larger point of like, 
We have Navy sailors that went to jail for taking a selfie that he sent to his girlfriend, and there was a control panel in the background of the selfie. So you release classified confidential information to the public. You're going to jail, son. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what Hillary Clinton did. You're getting chaptered out. And she didn't go to jail. She's nowhere near jail. Paul Manafort gets a lighter sentence. I think if other people are shown to be defrauding the U.S. government of taxes, of you know money and wire fraud... And- I suppose it's whatever... What, however, they're classified as elite. Right. I wouldn't consider Paul Manafort elite in many ways, other than his moral corruptibility. Mm. Sounds harsh. That's harsh. But the man, the man. Uh, See, it, but can you say the W word mm-hmm. rhymes with door? Uh, whore. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. whored his wife out. Really? Yeah. Like literally after a traumatic brain injury. Oh, that's wrong. His own children hate him. But you're going to get to this. Sorry. Because as the middle class has been making life pretty much better for the other members of the middle class, as well as making people who started out with nothing have now become the elite and very wealthy because they've created things that make everybody's lives better. On the left, now there's been criticism of the market and commercial society from the right. There's been plenty of that, and it usually comes from this kind of idea that the Middle Ages were so good. It was this golden age without a market, and people were good and virtuous and religious. That's, I think there were people who were good and virtuous and religious then, but I think also it was a tough time to live. Most people died very early. Most children did not live long if they not died, not only dying in childbirth along with the mothers. I mean, this idea from the right of we're too decadent, I understand it, but that's not what I'm addressing, because people are saying our age that they want to be socialist. So while everything's getting richer, we're talking about rich beyond any measure, folks, 3,000, 5,000% betterment since 1800. The left has been coming up with all sorts of things. What matters to progress, the left declared, is the unstoppable tide of history. But it's aided by editorials or protests or strikes or revolutions directed at the bourgeoisie, at the middle class. Such thrilling action to be led, of course, by the intellectuals themselves. So think of Karl Marx. Think of Lenin. Think of all these things. And that wasn't true socialism under Lenin and Stalin. That wasn't true socialism in Venezuela recently. But the idea is that this system is unsustainable. It's never going to, to happen. Well, you know what, folks? We had this incredible engine get going in the 1800s, and we tried different things in the 20th century. Things like, I don't know, socialism and racial superiority like in the Nazis. And all these things have been proven wrong. Anytime you say, oh, one race is not a spirit of other, you know what? People from that supposedly inferior race rise up, and they create incredible things that show you're full of crap with your racial theory, number one. It's like Jesse Owens winning the Olympics right in front of Hitler. Like, what a great story that is. But here's what made us so rich. And it's not necessarily like, oh, the left wants to tax us more and give more money out to people. That can be a problem, and the devil's always in the details. But it's more the way people are talking about their fellow man. Like, screw the people who have more than me, and everybody else is just down and out with no good luck. And we're not going to focus, to your point you made earlier, on all the amazing things we've had in the last hundred years or so. Uh, you and mean with the revolution? Or the um, quote-unquote revolution? Or even the last 20 years, yeah. how quickly things have gotten better. It's not necessarily about the material stuff, though. That's the product. That's the consequence. But the real engine of all this is, to put it shortly, the great enrichment 
came out of a novel, pro-middle-class, pro-commercial bourgeoisie, and yes, anti-statist rhetoric that enriched the world. It is, as Adam Smith, uh, Adam Smith said, allowing every man and woman to pursue his or her own interest his own way upon the liberal plan of equality, liberty, and justice. Keep the government very simple that is a mere defender of these basic things, equality before the law, individual liberty, and simple justice. And things will get better. People will figure it out. There's all sorts of big, wicked problems that we don't know where the solutions might come from. They'll come from all sorts of different places. We don't have time, because we only got 20 seconds left, to get into all that. But this is a topic I intend on revisiting time and time again in detail because this rise of I want to be a socialist, people my age, scares the hell out of me. I, uh, how much time we got left? Like 10 seconds. Okay, I got a question. For people that believe socialism is better than a market economy, ask yourself whether or not you think that greed is a good thing. Because the reason these so-called socialist countries have failed is because of greed. In a market economy, we managed to somehow harness that with a 